Get ready to sashay into an episode of Let's Get One Thing Straight, the series that fearlessly penetrates the layers of the queer experience. I'm Unc DC. I'm Javon. And we're here with our straight boy co-host, Aaron, and Coach Fred, and some amazing guests to spill the tea, throw some shade, and shit glitter all over the ever-evolving landscape of fabulousness. Get ready for laughs, love, and lots of faggotry. Allies, you're in for an education and a good time. So grab your rainbow flag, strike a pose, and let's go deeper, Daddy, into the queerest journey of your life. We're safe spaces and faces where we're rewriting the script and embracing every shade of the rainbow. Hey, what's up? What's good, y'all? It's Hunk TC. We're back with another episode of the Let's Get One Thing Straight series. Episode four, Unboxed. See what I did there? See what I did there? Unboxed. <laughs> no? Okay. Unboxed. <laughs> uh, navigating sex intimacy. And do you? And relationships. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's round. Um, anyway. Um, we are joined tonight uh, by AC. AC, I want to know mm-hmm. one thing. What would you say would be the one word that you would associate with yourself that would describe who you are as a person? Ooh. All right. So a lot of times when I get to know people, I'll I'll ask them something like, what's the most significant thing in your life right now? Or what's most important to you or something like that. And um, so I'm kind of doing that with myself at the moment. I used a word earlier tonight with my roommate as a joke. I was joking that he was a problem or something. And uh, to his partner, I was like, he's my sadhana. And sadhana in... Uh, yogic culture means your your spiritual process your spiritual work and he said spiritual work when he was describing it to his boyfriend and i really like that i see my life as that and so um so let's go with that one sadhana my spiritual process or my process of becoming more conscious and free with whatever i'm doing how does that impact your art it gives me a context where my art is less about end results on one level anyway, because I feel like nothing I say is going to be an absolute, but um, it makes it more about the process. So like the embarrassing things, the unfinished projects I've had from childhood or things that I could feel regret about in that context are more lessons learned or stances softened things i've identified with dissolving and yeah and that goes for everything but particularly in art because it's been something i've used to define myself and to gain approval for but also just the process of it i said the other day that painting was a refuge because um it's a a space where i can just completely let go of everything else and have to and just be with whatever i'm working on especially if you are in or encompassing that spiritual process you need that solace that refuge Mm, focus right wow i recently started um, muay thai lessons and that's been a really really good time i love those people 
when you and I met, I was still tattooing and I recently quit tattooing. That's been kind of an upheaval, but in a good way. So there's a there's what's called an ashram where I'll go sometimes. I haven't volunteered long term in a long time now, but whenever I go and do that, it's basically like I'm on monk schedule where I'm everything's really regimented and um have to get up super early. And, and when I come back home, it's like I have this deepened appreciation for my freedom to do what I want and be where I want. And so the years of tattooing are kind of like that for me right now, where it's like, whoa, I did that. And it was really, really challenging at points. And, and now not doing it is like, ah, oh, right. Like I really enjoy my life not doing that. There's a lot of probably freedom just in, in, in having like that lack of grinding it out, you know, right. Something. Right. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm much more passionate about drawing and painting. So it feels good to be back. And the contrast of the years of tattooing, um, made that more clear to me that like, Oh, what I really like to do, I like to do it even more now. Cause like I had some time where I wasn't as focused on it as I am now. Sounds like you're more spiritually connected right now than you were when you were tattooing. Is that what I'm getting? When I say spiritually, I mean connected to what your soul wants. For sure. For sure. And at the same time, because the whole process and environment of tattooing are so fundamentally challenging to so many things that are sort of fundamental to the accumulations that make up my personality, it's like it drove me deeper into being my own spiritual refuge so you know so it was helpful in that way too just the way that you explain your experience i think a lot of people are going through that right now in their lives where they are working a job that's soul-sucking they're not connected to themselves or anything real and when you explained how you were as a tattoo artist that's exactly what it sounded like and the way that you explained it tattooing you were just you were just there and all of these things that you had to do to get through it. But now that you are doing your own art on your own time, doing your own thing, you're more connected to who you are. It's almost like this is what you're supposed to do. Just what you explained in that, just going as a tattoo artist, and now you're doing your own thing. I think that is so powerful that some people will just listen to it and will just hear that you were just a tattoo artist and it won't really hit the nerve if they don't really listen to the deep intention that you had with what you were saying. Well, thank you for the acknowledgement. For real, man. So that's that's deep. For real, I like that. All right, so let's get into this conversation. We're going to talk about building relationships. We're going to talk about intimacy, and then we're going to talk about navigating sex. Dive into a little bit of gay subculture and answer some questions that we had from our first episode. So we decided to dive into that a little bit, but I think it's important to start by talking about the relationships that we form with one another within the queer community, connections in general. Because there's such a diverse landscape that it requires a very authentic approach to make connections because there's so much intersectionality within our community and there's so much that is experienced within our community that we have to be able to be authentic and open to create those safe spaces so that genuine connections can be made. And I think that we're all looking for trust, so we have to create that sense of trust. I think that's mm -hmm. vital for forming relationships within our community. And I mean, in relationships in general, but 
speaking for our community where we have so much trauma because there's been such a lack of representation. There's the process of understanding yourself uh, uh, on top of the understanding how to how to come out and who you can trust and who you can be authentic with. In my experience, it took me just until recently in recent years to really understand who I was. And because of that, the connections that I'm making are so much more sincere and much so much more genuine. But there's an absence, in my opinion, of camaraderie and genuine connection in our community. And I think that it's time that we address that. That was beautifully said. I listen, I've been I've been I've been thinking on this for so long. I haven't really had the position to be able to challenge it. Mm. I feel like a lot of the connections that we make with one another are baseless. Agreed. I have something to um something I'd been thinking about how to share. When you sent me the uh, promotional image and it had me listed as a queer black artist, I had a lot of discomfort with uh, the queer part and um I had to really look into why. Well, one, like so many of us who've grown up in the south, I had a religious upbringing yada yada yada. And um I'm not closeted by any means on one level i'm someone who um sees my sexuality as like an aspect of my activity and my personality but not an overall defining factor but then i had to acknowledge that my discomfort was also coming from fear in the judgment and all that i was talking to my friend i talked to a few friends about it I was talking to my friend um, Tiffany Derrera, and uh, she told me something like, when she goes to Pride, it isn't so much about the sexuality for her, it's the aspect of community. And that was really beautiful. After mulling this over so much, it was kind of the answer to what I was feeling about it. I'll be honest, I feel like in our culture, maybe our age group, I don't know, not just in the not just in the queer community, I feel like people in general are overly concerned with bodies and connecting on the basis of bodies. And I heard someone say once, um, when people say or hear the word relationship, often it's thought of like, automatically, it's like sexual romantic relationship. And I feel like a lot of us, like you're saying, lack these authentic connections um, you were talking about. And then it's like, okay, for me, well, maybe... I can do my part to go on this this uh, podcast and like and share share my my side of like okay well I, I'm not so yeah yeah sex is is fantastic I'm actually newly exploring some things I hadn't and and whatnot but um but deeper than that it's like the heart to heart connection is what's most important and I'm happy to um to be a voice of that for anyone who needs it. You were spot on. That's exactly where I was going with that. It's when you find that place of being okay with the depths of who you are and you find out why you ask yourself those questions. In an episode that we had on authenticity, we talked about the importance of introspection. And that's exactly what it takes. And 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 through that, I really think that those connections become more genuine and you do take the focus away off of body, like you were saying, and you really focus on the foundation of that relationship because you can download the app right now and you've got 219 dicks ready in seven miles. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, mm. So so it's it's everywhere. 
And I mean, it's a mixture of dick and ass, but nonetheless, <laughs> 210 profiles and in seven miles, you know what I mean? Um, More ass than anything. I will say that. Yeah. There's a oh, lot of, a lot of ass. Yeah. I got that. <laughs> anyway, we'll get into that later. Um, yeah, somebody getting into it later. <laughs> I might just be. Oh, oh Lord. Oh. Uh-oh. Hey, hey, wait, hey, hey, wait, Javon. Wait, hey, man, no Javon shame. coming alive We need tonight. to talk. <laughs> we need to have Javon, a conversation. Javon is coming alive tonight, boy. <laughs> just to piggyback off what you guys were just saying about, mm. you know, just relationships and creating them. I have a difficult time doing that a lot of times. And I'm just saying, I'm going to say it like this. I have trust issues, Mm. a lot of them. So a lot of the relationships that I've been in, either romantic or like friendship wise, especially with other gay people, it is difficult for me to build relationships that last. Most times I struggle with allowing people to really get to know me on that deeper level. So it takes me a while to even trust somebody enough to allow them in. So a lot of my relationships just, you know, they're superficial, they're surface level. And unfortunately, that's kind of the environment that I built for myself, but it's based off of things that I've experienced in life. I've experienced a whole lot over these last few years that has taught me that you know, the most important thing is to make sure that me, that I'm good, because I've given a lot of myself to everyone else and gotten nothing in return. It is very difficult for me to build those relationships and to have that camaraderie. I think what I need to do for my for myself is to allow people the chance to see me, because I don't do that very often. I'm sorry you've been hurt. Because what you're saying is really relatable, Javon, and uh, I hope mm-hmm. you'll find some healing from all of that. Oh, therapy helps. Well, first of all, I'm glad that that you have that awareness. First of all, that's very important. And I hope that as you kind of work through that, that you do find opportunities to be more vulnerable with people and more authentic with people, because that's definitely something that I mean, I, I want for you. I want you to be able to have that authentic connectedness, but that also means finding someone too that provides that safety that you need in doing so. I think it's really important when we start talking about authenticity and our forming of relationships within the in the queer community that we also understand the intersectionality that's in the queer community um, within ourselves. And what I mean by that is there's such an array, a spectrum of gender identities and sexualities and, and preferences. And we have to be aware of the different challenges we face at this intersection. And we have to know that when we're forming these relationships, that we have to be We have to be sensitive to that. We have to be aware of that. And we have to provide spaces for them to feel okay and to feel safe. Like you were saying earlier, Javon, about feeling safe. And and it's really sad that people have to feel this way within the queer community. But when people are creating connections within the queer community, they still have to decide when and how to disclose those intersecting identities within themselves to others. 
even AC, like you were talking about, just having to to really question and understand just who you are or what your identity is, or just seeing that word queer and, and having those questions. I mean, we have a lot of people with a lot of fear of judgment and rejection and misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And within our community, there's a lot of ignorance still, and there's a lot of a, a lack of understanding. And I think that it's difficult for people to navigate making those relationships if we don't together foster this understanding of these challenges that we face. Basically, we need to be committed to empathy. Absolutely. For each other within our own community before we Mm. can even expect it from someone else outside of our community. Agreed. Yeah. I've definitely had like knee-jerk dismissal feelings or uh, different ways of people defining themselves. And I've had to um, allow myself to be humbled in that. And I want people to be able to be free to just do whatever it is they want to do, so long as it isn't harmful. And um, I think that's like my baseline at this point with any of it, as far as any opinion I might have or, or whatever. I think it's important to note that even within the subgroups of our queer culture, there's still a prioritization of certain identities over others. For example, I think there's still a lot of biphobia. I think there's still a lot of transphobia within our own community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that until we get authentic with one another and really start promoting this understanding and come together, it's going to take that for our community to really have the strength and resilience that we often say that we do. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that that was... That is happening inside the community. That's something brand new to me. I I thought y'all were like all as one. It sounds almost like there's a hierarchy of who who thinks they're better than or who's more who's more of a valid way of being than another. Yeah, what's more <laughs> believed or accepted as real or desirable. A lot of times, you know, in terms of desire in the gay community, especially. There is a certain demographic of people that are looked at as top tier, Hmm. whereas everybody else is below them. So a lot of times what happens is that you only see this type of person, you know, that is our representation every single time. Every time you see a movie, a gay movie, Hmm. especially, we don't see people who look like me. You know, we see the tall white dude with like abs and all this. That's the the what people think the representation should be because it's desirable. That's what people and then want. It, and then that perpetuates unconscious bias. Absolutely. And then on top of that, what, what that goes into is there's a lot of racism in the gay community. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. You'll see a lot of it on apps. For real? You know, I, I didn't know it. No blacks, no Asians. But they don't say it as, as kindly as I just said it. I don't mean to sound ignorant when I say I I I, I can't believe that when I I'm not gonna say I can't believe it. I don't mean to sound ignorant when I say I, I it that blows my mind. What about uh that guy that played uh Lafayette in uh, True Blood? Is he... <laughs> I love him. <laughs> is that no? no that's I, I love him. Like you, but educate me. Like is that you know? No, see, no say. I loved Lafayette from True Blood. I love him too. He was my favorite. With everything. God rest but his It was a depiction of what Hollywood thinks a gay man is. Um, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, 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 it makes sense. Have you watched The Clone Tyrone? Yeah, anybody? Yes. That whole deal where, I mean, they did it literally cloning these people, but I feel like it's exactly what you're talking about. Like, we clone these personas 
and you know and keep perpetuating them and people keep trying their best to embody them because they feel well this is the way to properly exist and but yeah that was so beautiful i that's why i said i didn't i didn't know in the lgbtq community that there was all that going on but now it makes sense i got a question are there stereotypes in this in the queer community like are like are there stereotypes of how y'all should be like break that down for me man i mean yeah, absolutely mean? there's there are stereotypes yeah. about how about how we should be from body image to how we should present to how we should act i mean everything absolutely and i think and this actually kind of takes me into um really kind of get into gay subculture because when you start getting into gay subculture then you can start talking about the different stereotypes that are or what's expected really um and and within those subcultures not only do you have those stereotypes but you also have that um that perpetuation of uh, systemic racism that we were talking about and and all of the challenge of, uh, challenges of discrimination so all of that with those stereotypes and and what's expected makes it really challenging when navigating intimacy sex relationships making connections in general and really that ties into fetishization of certain subgroups of, of the gay community because i know for me personally as a we'll get into that but as a as a chubby gay man or as a chub as they call it with without it crossing that line into being a fetish there's very little representation for me being present especially within the subculture of the bear community because you have the muscle bears that are usually like this this ideal image so before i get into that let's break all of this down so you guys can understand the conversation a little bit more Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously we talked about bears. It's usually a tall, furry man. That's yeah. basically it. Basically. So let's be clear. They don't oh, have to have the oh, not always bearded, is, is but he, you know, is, is it hairy or furry? So <laughs> the definition being bears are generally characterized by a larger, often hairier physique. They may have facial hair and a more rugged appearance, but they even have subcategories. We've got the cubs, which what do you think that is? What do you think a cub is? <laughs> <laughs> They're young, but is there like an age? Though? So yeah, so no, it's just a, so it's just so it's just a younger bear, just a little stockier, chubbier build, just a younger bear. That's nice all. Um, maybe not as much uh, body hair, but then you got muscle bears, which are the bears, but are the more like muscular build. And then you've got polar bears, which are just older bears, older men. That's all. So I didn't men. know that one. Yeah. yeah. So within the, I would say within the bear community, like when you see that portrayal, first of all, you usually, for the most part um see um majority white spaces i will say that i'll get into that a little bit more um and then as far as that stereotype you know yeah from what i've seen you it is the 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 leaner a little bit more muscular bear so it's like there's not a space for me because i'm larger and once i start finding people who are attracted to me and start crossing that line into becoming a fetish so Mm. it's 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 very particular so Quick question: When yeah. when do you know when to when where is that line between someone who or people who just like you a lot or they're fetishizing you? Like like where do you know when when they're drawing that line or what category they're in? Are they fetishizing you or do they really That's just great. like you your style? Okay, question. so I would say whenever you start to become objectified and they start stripping you of your agency, and to them you're just the the object you're just the fat the fat one that i'm fucking 
whenever it's not really about who you are as a soul, but what you are and the pleasure you can provide them. So it's not even about me. It's just a fact about it's it's what I am. It's not who I am. Um, mm-hmm. So just being objectified and being dehumanized in that way, that's when it crosses that line. But yeah, so then we've got otters. So otters, if you think of an otter, think about the way an otter looks, right? So they're slimmer, they're more streamlined physique. Think of an otter. Um, they may or may not have body hair. So they usually fall in between bears and twinks. Not Twinkies, but bears and Twinks. But they can be cream-filled, so whatever. Um, what? what? Um, <laughs> hey, fuck around and find out. So to break down a Twink, Twinks are often younger individuals with a slim, sometimes boyish appearance. Those are usually the ones that look like they're dating their brother because they both look the same because they're Twink as fuck. But anyway... Mm. They don't usually have a lot of body hair. They're usually a little more smooth. And then chubs, this is where I identify the most because they're just a larger, chubbier build. It doesn't necessarily mean they're associated with having body hair, um, but me being almost literally a beast from the neck down, um, that's that's usually like where my categorization into the bear family comes from. And then you've got daddies. I think daddy is pretty universal. It's just... You know, the older man who might be perceived as more mature or authoritative, um, maybe the dominant or nurturing role in a relationship. And then chaser. Chaser is just someone that's attractive to an individual of um, a specific body type or what have you. So you ask the question about the difference between being fetishized and then like say someone being attracted to someone who's bigger. Now, there's a difference between truly loving and finding beauty in certain attributes or certain parts of someone and being attracted to that. And then there is an an objectifying that person because of that. So that's where you cross that line. Right, right. Yeah, I get that. I definitely get that. Like, 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 say, I might have a type, you know, just say, for instance, uh, small waist, big tits, fat ass for a woman, and I'm seeking that out, not to be with one. I don't don't want her as my old lady, but that's my hookup preference. When I'm in a club, when I'm out, I'm looking for that round, that bad round booty, nice titties, whatever. Boom, boom, boom. Is that considered fetishizing? Because that's what I want to fuck. That's what I want to see. That, that, that's what I freak. That's what I want to freak off with. Now, that's not my old lady, but I want to freak off with that. That Nicki Minaj, Cardi B type, Megan Thee Stallion type body. Are we fetishizing those types of people? And and is that same? I mean, is, is that fetishizing? Or do you, you want my up? personal opinion? I think so. Oh. I think that we cross the line into fetishizing people a lot more than we think we do because it's become so appropriate and it's become acceptable. Um, and fetishes, and I say this all the time, fetishes are for objects and actions, not people. Right. So yeah, I do. I do think that there's an aspect, and I'm not, I'm not shaming or condemning anyone for it, but I do think that there's a level of introspection that needs to happen there because you do have to find the intention behind the attraction and kind of put that into perspective. And um, and that actually is something that I've had to do in, in my own life, especially as I've started taking this stance against the fetish. The, this is so fucking hard for me to say. The fetish, fetishes, fetishization. Why is that so hard? Why can I not <laughs> say the word? Fetishization of Black men in the queer community. I always get pulled into this conversation because I have been in predominantly black spaces and for a majority, for all of my life have been largely only involved with, with black men. So I've always had the question, 
you know, is this just a fetish for you? I've had that that confrontation a lot, specifically from from black women who want to know, like, what what it what is it? Um, and it caused me to do a lot of soul searching and to sort through unintentional internal bias and and really finding out within myself is this am am I doing what I'm speaking out against or is it because I just am innately attracted to the beauty that I find within and what really made me realize it um I spent a lot of time in the club I, I did drag from 2010 to 2016 and what I noticed during that time was that queer spaces especially within this gay subculture that we just talked about are exclusively or almost always depicted or comprised of images of white of white men i think which perpetuates systemic racism and internal bias right and it reflects this broader systemic racism in our society i think it's something that isn't talked about enough in our community even here in augusta i've gone out to the club a couple of times and i go in and it's always predominantly a white space and whenever i it's almost like you see this this token black gay man and almost every time he, his presence is is there because he's a fetish for the people that are surrounding him. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. seen it time and time and time again. And all it does is reinforce this power dynamics that prioritize white voices and experiences. That's all it's doing. And we're allowing this narrative to be perpetual and we have to stop it. White men in the gay community have plenty of boxes and identities, right? But the Black and Asian man is almost always disenfranchised and entirely defined by their skin color because it's either the BBC or the Asian twink. And you can't tell me I'm wrong. You you can't even go onto Pornhub and, and find porn with um, a, a Black man in it without being associated to BBC. It's almost impossible. They've been reduced to a fetish. I mean, that's why for me, whenever I date anyone, whether, you know, uh, interracially, it's always a question of, look, just because you sleep with me doesn't mean that you're going to take me home tomorrow. So if I'm sitting here and, you know, I'm wanting that relationship or wanting X, Y, and Z, but the only thing you want from me is to sleep with me simply because of my BBC, then obviously you just have a fetish. So it it just, it's always weird to me when I see it on apps because I'm like, that's really what you're here for. That's it. Just, you know, you're, you're fetishizing somebody, making them feel like all they are is one thing. So in, in, um, when I was getting ready for this, um, I, I ran across an article that I really wanted to share uh, because I can't use my perspective on this. I can only use what I've observed. That's why I brought this up. But this article was written. It was written for The Reckoning magazine. It was written by Henry Philyaw. Okay. And it's, it's titled, Yes, Black Queer Bodies Are Beautiful. No, You Don't Have a License to Fetishize Them. I'm going to read some of it. There's quite a bit, but I'm not going to read all of it. But there's a few things that I want to point out. This is from his perspective. But he said, for straight and gay Black men, it becomes an experience of overt fetishization 
In objectification, the experience can feel devaluing and triggering. He goes on to say, our humanity is reduced to having very dark skin and Afrocentric features, having a large penis, being hyper-masculine and aggressive, and or even reduced to how we dress and maintain a thug appeal. Even how we sound makes a difference. And he goes on to talk about white people when they assume that we desire them based on their whiteness, and then proceed to dangle themselves in front of us like a prize. In situations, this can lead to sexual violence, and I immediately disengage and remove myself from public spaces with non-Black queer men. He goes on to say it leads to harmful generalizations about our sexual prowess and sexual assaults and youth molestation, and it's just dismissed under the guise of us being men, even though we're being introduced to sex prematurely. And then this is what really got me. He referred to something called the Black OKs. He said the term comes from a screen captured, exchanged on Grindr. A Black queer man messaged a white queer man and says, is Black OK? There is a subset of Black men who specifically utilize whiteness to gain upward mobility. While getting ahead is not necessarily bad, it can be if other people, if other Black people become disenfranchised in the process. He says, I've not mentioned whether I am for or against interracial dating, but it is imperative that if you are for interracial dating, that you are comfortable talking about interracial biases to your partner to determine what you can and cannot manage from them. The objectification of Black bodies may be unavoidable, but being able to call it out when confronted ensures that you can retain your power. Mm. And... Honestly, he truly highlights something that is so perpetual. And so many times I think that that it's overlooked. I think that it's become normalized. And I know myself as a white man, I see it. And let me also add that you can still be racist and objectify and fetishize a black man. And in fact, most of the white men who objectify and fetishize a black man are. The systemic racism within our spaces is still a big issue. And I would also like to add that I would say that the Black man is the the, the most overly fetishized, fetish, fetishized in our community. But it does reach further. Um, like I had mentioned, as, as a chub in the gay community, I know that I've experienced it. I know that Asians experience it. I mean, even dwarfism. Mm. I mean... There's, there's so much that we can do, to, to, I think, to raise awareness to this and, and to call it out. And we really, I think that and, until we do, we're going to continue to allow this perpetual systemic problem. What you're saying really is that people need to be open to having this conversation when you get into these interracial marriages, because it's not just about, oh, I'm dating. I have dated some girls in high school where they literally will date me to make their father angry. Mm-hmm. Like I have experienced that. I like, believe that. I do. I, absolutely. <laughs> we go into the dance so you can make your dad angry. What right. the fuck are you doing, bro? Like I'm not that dude. Right. I thought we was cool. So I get that. And I think internally we know when we're dating someone that's just kind of using us for what, you know, it's almost like a, a notch on their bedpost that they want to put. Yeah, right. I, got, I got that. You feel me? And so when we start talking about the difference between fetish and uh, uh, preference, I've always had a preference for white girls. 
I understand where you're getting at when you're talking about fetishes because yeah, that's real. Sure. And you know, and there's 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 a healthy aspect to that too. And it's important to be able to understand what it looks like to have a healthy kink or a healthy fetish. And mm. the actual definition of fetishism, by the way, is and it involves people who are sexually aroused by non-living objects. That's why I say fetishes and kinks are for objects and objects, situations, and actions, not people. And a kink is an unconventional sexual preference or behavior collectively. We have to start shifting that that understanding that we we can't we can't perpetuate this the fetishizing people. That's 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 got to stop. And every time I experience that, I call it out because we just we can't. I mean, I remember um, during the Black Lives Matter movement, you saw white girls with signs that like uh, "Black Dicks Matter." Like you that that and that enrages me. Uh, this this exactly what I'm talking about. It's 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 about fetishizing the black man and it happens in all spaces but i think it's it's important let's have a, a quick conversation about um about the idea that individuals are free to define their own sexuality and that their preferences without without adhering to societal expectations which means that they can everyone has this this bodily autonomy to explore as they want to so kinks and fetishes are absolutely a thing Number one, if you are involved with someone else and you're exploring a kink or a fetish, make sure that consent um, is had. The person should be informed. Consent should be ongoing. But I want to explore the conversation around kinks and fetishes because I think we need to start normalizing that we all have a little bit of sexual freedom and we have to stop stigmatizing and, and judging people um, based off of those things. So what I did was I went to a website called sexualdiversity.org and they actually have a really comprehensive glossary about all sorts of terms surrounding sex and sexuality. I kind of want to talk about these a little bit. And if you guys are willing to share anything that you might enjoy, let's get into it. The first one is asphyxiophilia. So it's autoerotic asphyxiation or breath control play. It's the practice of intentionally reducing the amount of oxygen to the brain during sexual stimulation. And let me just say, you can choke me all fucking day long. You can please choke me. God damn. Definitely. What? Listen, I want to like almost stop breathing, okay? Now, if I'm choking somebody, I'm not like trying to make them stop breathing but at the same time i'm trying to choke them just enough to let them know like i'm in control of this situation yeah but see what it is is whenever you, you know, start restricting oxygen to the brain it kind of acts almost like a popper like rush and then you get that yeah. you get that you get that you get that high you get that rush with it and everything so there's there's yeah. there's a lot that goes into it with that controlled breathing play but i'm all fucking for it what and then um i think this one's a uh a little more widely explored, but bondage. Bondage involves people being tied up or restrained for pleasure, usually, but not always a sexual practice. Um, and then some people are just sexually aroused by bondage, um, which actually has its own term. But yeah, you can tie me up and choke me. That's cool. Like, let's get into it. That's totally cool. Okay, you um, like two for two on these. We ain't even got to the third I mean, Listen, true story. One time, no, let me not tell that story. <laughs> No, 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 we being real. Go ahead and tell the story. Oh, well, okay, excited. so my first experience with being tied up, um, uh, these these two lovely gentlemen suitors. Um, Ooh, not a turn. Yeah. Um, 
This is not a train. There were only two of them. So it was like the engine and the caboose. Okay. Um, but oh my God. I was, I was literally, I was literally restrained between two pine trees outside. Like, and like, like, like the Blair Witch Eagle. Project? What the fuck was you doing? What is the Blair Witch Project? And that was, and, um, Wow, and they were brothers, so that was even better. So let me throw that out there. Um, and the colored, give me a high five. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to figure out: were they the trees, or were you in between the trees? I like, was literally, oh I was God. literally like tied in between two pine trees, and well, oh the rest you could. I'll, I'll let you imagine what happened after the restraining. Take me. Essentially. Take me. Um, choke me, daddy, is probably what happened after that. Um, but um, that was my first time, and uh, you know, I've I've explored it a little a little bit more. I've I've been in, I've been in swings and slings and riding crops and stuff. So I haven't done all that, but I have I've tied somebody up. Did you? I was an ex of mine. He was into that kind of stuff, and one night he was like, "Look, I got these." He was an EMT, so he had oh, like hospital restraints, and he was like, "Okay, well, let's let's you know, let's try this or whatever." So I tied him up, and we let's just say we had our fun that night. Yeah. So I like it because it gives it gives me control. I like control a lot when in like kind of you know that situation. So it gives me control to do whatever I want to them now. I kind of do want to be tied up one day. I you always should. talk about it, but I've never had it done. No, do I it. I kind of want to try it. I fucking do it. It's a fucking do it. Do it, bro. Fucking do, do it, bro. <laughs> I mean, I'm right. Um, let's see. Let's knock a couple of these out. So they got breast and nipple torture. A lot of people like nipple play, but nipple torture uh, focuses solely on inflicting pain on the breast or nipples or the areolas um, for sexual gratification. Like, I'm all about nipple stimulation, not necessarily nipple torture. That's a little yeah, like goddamn. Don't 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 like, damage a, a little pain is good. Like a little though. pain is good, but like don't. I'm not trying to get my nipples ripped off. No, that's the one thing I don't like because I think it, it just hurts. Like it feels so yeah, weird yeah. and it hurts. Mm-mm. So like right. some dudes do it too too rough. So I'm like I don't I don't really like that. Now do I like doing it to them? Yeah, that's of course fine. you do. But you asshole. Me, <laughs> hey, look, I'm a dumb cop. I'm <laughs> like I like doing it. You are today. not a dom top. <laughs> so actually, the next one I fuck with exhibitionism, um, a, a compulsion to display. Well, this actually says a compulsion to display when genitals or other intimate body parts are to behave sexually in public. Essentially, sex in public. Uh, I've got more than a few, so I'm not going to say them because I don't want to sound like total trash on my podcast. But I've explored some places. Um, I'm not going to talk about Eisenhower Park or um, Diamond Lakes or or Finnessy Swamp. None of those places in Augusta. I've never done that. He said none of those. One of my friends um, works at Finnessy Swamp. She's the swamp director. And she was saying... uh, this guy was running naked through the swamp and she had asked him not to. Was that you? <laughs> no. Not running naked. No I wasn't running naked. I was I was naked, but I wasn't running. I was someone just running make, on me though. Just make it. 
Was it okay. between two pine trees? And- no, it wasn't. <laughs> but actually, um, we were like right in the center of the trail, but we had a really good view, so we could we would know way before someone mm. saw us if anyone was mm. coming. But we mm-hmm. <laughs> what? He, he knows all the spots. Hey, same thing. You've been scouting. Hey, Chris, you've been scouting the whole city for fuck spots. Always scouting for drive Just pull up on a spot and make it work. You know what I'm saying? Period. I've done that plenty of times. I mean, like, this is I've this done... is gonna work today. I've done a baseball dugout, dirt so road. Uh, hold on, hold on. So, so you got a dugout like, in a dugout. Let me pull little little league kids. Come on, next to like, I was gonna say he was doing the digging. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, speaking of digging, Javon. Speaking of digging, what about the next one? The next one's fisting. Oh my god, I've done that before. What? I know you ain't put that chubby <laughs> ass hand. That chubby ass hand you got in some well, man's rectum. But no, I have like <laughs> he was an older guy, and he just asked me. He's like, you know, I'm I'm gonna show you how to do it or whatever. He didn't do it on me, but he told me how to do it. And like we, you know, I did it. It was nice. Was, what what kind of you, the bear, a polar bear? I mean, what the hell he was, was he would be what you consider a bear. Now he did have certain situations outside of us just fucking going on. So I that all it was ever gonna be between him and I is just fucking. But yeah, he was hot. It was it was See, it was a, I, a great experience. I don't know. And, and you know, and here at the at the local at the local club, they have Fist Fest at least once a year oh, for sure. The what, the what the local Fist club. Fist Fest, it's 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 where um everyone comes I guess I guess everyone just comes and fists each other. I don't know. What? Um, <laughs> I mean you do know what at Parliament. Right. Yes, hey, I know what's at hey, Parliament. Gee, I know they've got. Flavor. I know. What the fuck? I know. <laughs> I'm oh, glory holes. What about a glory hole? What about a glory hole? I, I've never done that. Actually. Me neither. This Me latex fetish. Uh, this shit. I ain't. I ain't never heard of this latex fetishism. Is the fetish attraction of, of people wearing latex clothing? What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. I've heard. And of some that. people. Some people get off to the like it says to the garments themselves. Mm. Um. And sometimes, yeah. So really, okay. in fact, well, so so I was I I I hooked up with a guy one time in college, who was like, "Oh, come over and just rub on my dick through my latex Spider Man outfit." And I was like, "What? No." <laughs> <laughs> what? He was like, "Please." And then I was like, "No." Uh, so I did it, and did it was great. <laughs> it was great for him. I mean, should I say? Um, that was a little weird, but that was the only time I've ever experienced that. So, mm. yeah, it's and then I can see the leather. I get the leather. I was about to say, you and then leather is another really popular one. Like, I'm cool with. I'm yeah, leather. I think, especially depending on who you are, you put that leather on. Goddamn, tie me up and choke me. Low key, like <laughs> I low key like lingerie on a dude. Really. I do. I don't know why. Not not like the bra or anything. Oh just God. like you know, little stocking, little something. Now there is male lingerie, and I I love that. I didn't even know that either. Shit. So <laughs> I'm oh, learning oh, oh, what, shit. What the fuck does male lingerie look like? Like what is it? Like what's right, it's like, like speedos, I guess. You feel the me? Lacy like, ass I mean, or something? It's just you cut know, more appropriately. Someone that right. I used to with had like you know it was kind of like a jock strap, but it had like leg straps as well mm. and that was yeah he, he didn't stay in that very long after Damn. he walked around 
Um, okay, and then I'm going to jump to the last one, water sports. So water sports is a sexual fetish in which participants derive sexual pleasure from urine and urination. Sometimes people like to urinate in public on or to urinate on people or to be urinated on by others. And some go even as far as drinking the urine. You talking about R. Kelly shit right here. Okay. Have y'all ever got bear grills or some shit? No, I will say this. I there I was I was with a uh I was with a dude and I mean it, it, it got pretty nasty. I definitely he definitely pissed on me, but he was also like a spit in your mouth and choke you and like everything else too. So oh that was that now, was pretty now that's something I never understood. Like don't spit in my mouth. Like I know we swap and spit, but don't spit in my mouth. Oh no, listen, what I mean, you know, what it is what it is. But I, I I wanted to touch on all of that though, because it's really important to know that number one, that we don't have to subscribe to necessarily what society says is 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 norm or is okay or is whatever you know what i'm saying we're we're allowed to break out of that we're allowed to explore ourselves sexually we're allowed to do it safely you're allowed to explore your fetishes and have fun but let's not make these fetishes about people mm. um and I, I also get the question because I am a sub. People are like, "Well, oh, you're you're oh, you're a sub. Um, you're you're objectified, right?" But it's in the action that the pleasure is derived, not in the objectification of the person. So it's this mm-hmm. mutual understanding and agreement, and it's this action of us submitting and and giving and receiving with one another, and it's not the literal objectification of the person. So it's important, and I think that we need to have more of those conversations. Um, and as far as it goes, as far as deviating from the norm sexually, there's a lot of other things that people get into, and it's not just in the queer community, but we do have a knack for really deviating from the norm. I mean, we like to defy that a little bit. Um, so there are other ways that people uh, can get involved with their kinks and fetishes. It's role play and fantasy. Some people have open relationships, and I think that all of that needs to be celebrated in situations where it's consensual, where um, that person has that autonomy to make that decision. But I want to ask you guys, do you guys participate in anything? Like, do you get off on like role play or fantasy or have you ever been in an open relationship? I am um, very recently. I think like last week, one of my friends um, who's polyamorous expressed to me that he has been into me for a while and um and so i i and it was interesting i'd been kind of considering how i felt about any of it because um a few people in my life are polyamorous and i'd been hearing about it and um just i don't know considering and um so it was i don't know it was kind of like warming me up to someone proposing it to me and uh but it's been it's been a really nice adventure. Um, one of my friends who's polyamorous was telling me what she likes about it. And another friend of hers who's polyamorous was, um, how to say, uh, something about when she is texting, getting to know someone, um, romantically people who are more set on monogamy or locking something down, would tend to get pissy with her if she didn't respond very quickly or something. But people in the polyamorous world from her experience tend to be more free flowing with it. It's like, okay, you don't hear from the person. Oh, all right. And, um, 
And uh, I don't know. So I've been kind of enjoying that. It's like an aha moment of like, oh, wow, like I don't absolutely have to um, like lock something in with one person. And uh, it's been nice, nice to even explore and be open to. And and that's beautiful. I think that having that comfortability and having that openness and having that sort of relaxed expectation, I think that's a great thing. And like I said, I think that it should absolutely be celebrated. I wish I'd had more to offer um, in the kink realm, but uh, I think a lot of why I don't is because I've I've had a lot of um, self consciousness and like I you know I was really overweight growing up and I was really self-conscious about it and um and I've still been just dismantling all that kinds of stuff so like I haven't explored a lot and my first sexual experiences were very much on the giving end so I'm like just now growing beyond some of that but it was really nice hearing about all of you and I appreciate your openness and vulnerability and sharing and it's it's about having that open discussion that allows us to connect and grow and broaden our perception of connections and relationships. The last thing I really want to talk about um, within intimacy and sex within our community, hooking up in casual relationships. We were talking about apps and stuff earlier. You know, I think that we need to challenge the notion that casual relationships and hookups are inherently negative. I think that we need to emphasize, you know, informed decision-making, consent and communication. And that, again, we celebrate a person's autonomous decision to use and celebrate their body how they choose. It is important to have and encourage open discussions about healthy sexuality, and we have to combat this misinformation and this judgment because it's absolutely stigmatized, especially for me, when I was diagnosed with HIV, uh, it was immediately, well, you should have expected it. All gays are promiscuous and you all fuck each other. So there's this stigma Um, But we have to get to where we can also understand that, like I said, it's not inherently negative. It's not inherently bad, that we should be able to have that autonomy. So we do have apps like Grindr and Jacked, and it doesn't have to just be used for hooking up. I mean, I've actually made and developed friendships from these apps. It's not just about sex. Didn't we meet from Grindr? We did. Yeah. Yeah, we sure did. But the apps make it so easy to fuck because they use geolocation technology because you can see that someone is three miles away. You can see that they're 763 feet away. You can see that they're two feet away. So it's really easy to find people that are close to you. It's important that we just kind of dispel the stigma around these apps. Um, That way we can move to a place of having healthy conversations with people about healthy sex and healthy connections. I have uh, something to say about the apps. I feel like and I'm sure it can be done healthily, um, though when I've when I've used them, they've been almost exclusively in moments of desperation or um, mm-hmm. loneliness or sadness or something. And I suspect that that's the case for a lot of people who are on them. And um, I don't know, it kind of makes for an environment. Well, and, and you're right, and and it definitely perpetuates it, um, and that leads to the stereotype, that leads to the stigma that surrounds it, and it's true. They these apps definitely have gained a reputation for being for more focused on casual encounters and hookups. A lot of them prioritize profile pictures, um, and Grinder even markets itself for hooking up um, as the primary use of the app. So, uh, it's definitely there for purpose, but it can facilitate facilitate meaningful connections. But again, it's just important that 
we're not overly stigmatized because that gives us the access to have those conversations. I really just want to uh, stress through all of this conversation the importance of building community support um, as, as they navigate connections and relationships and sexual relationships within our community and to our allies as we navigate um, these avenues of connections that you encourage our authenticity. Building connections is challenging for anyone, but in our community, when we face obstacles such as discrimination, prejudice, and a lack of understanding on a broad scale as a whole, and then we deal with the, the same types of discrimination at an intersection within it, it can be really challenging. So no matter the approach to the relationship, no matter the approach to sex, we have to keep this perspective of being understanding so we can educate, so we can inform, and so we can facilitate these healthy conversations about the ways in which we should be acting out on these kinks and fetishes, that we should uh, be navigating casual encounters and hookups, the way that we should be navigating being authentic for relationships, because I think we've made it okay not to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Even expected to keep it shallow. Absolutely. I would like to hear, um, Aaron, um, from you before uh, we came into this episode tonight, um, what were what were some misconceptions or what were some ideas that you had um, about either maybe romance or intimacy in our community or just the um, overall journey of making connections that um, that may have shifted for you? I was really narrow minded and didn't lend much thought. Didn't care to lend much thought, you know, basically just to keep it 100% blunt that, you know, as far as the men go, you thought it was just anal and goddamn as far as the women, you thought it was just fingering and licking each other's uh, pussy. That's all you think about. You don't think about meaningful connection. You know what I mean? You don't think about intimacy. It, it was just inherently devaluing normalcy within the LGBT, within the community. You know what I mean? And just looking at it as like a monolith of just 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 purely sex and fucking and, and that's and that's just it. So to to have the conversation we had tonight and to hear the laughter and the joking, but still the serious side about about I mean the intimacy and damn the, the psychological aspect of it, you know what I mean? And then also hear hear about the just the language and the terms and just it's a culture unto itself. Just like any other, just like any other culture has a culture, and there's lingo and, and slang and terms that people outside the culture just don't know. It, it was good to know and to, and to learn that that exists um, amongst that culture. You know what I mean? So it broadened my horizons, and I won't be so insensitive and so narrow-minded in my thinking and some of my language and and descriptions of, of people who are part of the community. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, it was definitely helpful to um, be a part of the conversation tonight. It was definitely enlightening. And, you know, I definitely have grown from it and hope to be more um, sensitive and respectful in my conversation with and about the community. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate that, too. That means a lot. Um, And I just want to challenge you, too, um, as you as you go on uh, your journey and as you you continue to use your voice, I ask that you continue to create spaces around you so for for individuals to express their authentic selves without fear of judgment that's 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 all i ask and and to our listeners 
if you're in the community, if you're in the queer community, if you're a part of our family, get authentic in the relationships that you build. Uh, look, look within yourself and, and find those things in yourself that you need to, you need to address. Find who you are and use that as the basis of creating your your relationships, your connections. And let's stop stigmatizing one another and let's move toward healthy communication around sex, around relationships, around intimacy and around interactions within our community. It starts with us and it has to start now. Mm. To those of you that are listening, that are allies and that want to stand beside us, just like I asked Aaron, please continue to create spaces where we can be authentic with you, where we can be authentically ourselves without fear of judgment, because that's where it's going to start. And the more that we can be visible, the more that we have that space to be safe and to be authentic, the more that we can actually normalize our experiences and we can break this stigma and we can break this cycle of judgment and prejudice that we're facing as a community. So wherever you are tonight, start normalizing healthy conversations around sex relationships, start getting authentic in the relationships that you're creating. And please, for the love of God, stop fetishizing people. Fetishes are for actions, scenarios, and objects. Let's start to have these hard, hard conversations. Let's start to, to dispel the stereotypes. Let's really start breaking this down. So I really want to appreciate you all for joining us for this conversation. And remember, as always, be the change you want to see. Thank you for opening your space to safe spaces and faces. We hope that you, too, get involved in the conversation. Remember to like, follow, and share our social media. Tell us your story. Share your experience. And together, we can make a difference. Until next time, be the change you want to see.